0: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Biskin.
1: Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Keith Turner to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go Brand Go, The Tom James Company, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Edward Jones. And now, to this week's episode with Keith Turner. Keith Turner, welcome to the STL Leaders podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we got connected uh, through a good networking partner of mine, Keith Gross, and I'm excited to kind of talk to you a little today, a little bit today about kind of your background and and your views on leadership. And so let's kind of start there. Talk to us about growing up and what led you to starting Turn Group.
0: Um, great, great, uh, great question. And thanks for having me again on your uh, on your podcast. So I. Uh, Grew up in St. Louis, was born in uh, Alabama, and uh, in St. Louis, you know, had, had great parents and a great support community around me, and so there was a program that I was in as a kid called St. Paul's Saturdays, and the founder of that program uh, was a strong believer in encouraging entrepreneurship, and at the time, I was eight years old, didn't realize, you know, the, the true impact that the program and, um, that type of guidance and too would have on me as I grew up, but um I realized as I got older that in order to control uh opportunities, a lot of times you have to create or found those uh those types of things and so part of me growing up in the St. Louis region and then later going to going to undergrad in um in Atlanta, Georgia and then coming back. And going to grad school here in St. Louis, it helped me understand the dynamic of how to address opportunity and look at opportunity, and then put people in place that um, that I wanted to work with. And that that kind of you know, in, in a real quick nutshell, kind of talks about you know how I understood entrepreneurship at a younger age and how these seeds were planted to consider ownership and consider building organizations be as small and large and as i got older the different things uh in, the, in my community and in uh in my uh college training helped reinforce some of those things and so really that that's kind of how I, I ended up i think <laughs> um going into entrepreneurship and uh in particularly picking technology as the first core business for me to really operate and grow uh, that's probably a different story <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, no, I think that's a cool story of kind of how you got how you got going, and wow, dating it back to when you were eight years old—that's uh, that's pretty neat. That you can kind of look back and say this is kind of where the entrepreneurship kind of came into into play for me. So, for those who don't know, tell us about Turn Group Technologies and what you guys do. Okay, so
0: Turn Group Technologies is a company that was founded here in the St. Louis region in um, 2002. I was 27 years old and. Um, I saw an opportunity where I thought we could provide IT support to some clients that I had worked with for another company and then for the company that I actually worked for. And then from that point on, we uh, we focused on fund accounting or accounting software and support and training. And, um, you know, that's kind of how we started. And uh, the business has never been more than 11 local employees but we've had clients um you know west coast east coast uh, southeast uh, texas area you know and so we we've had clients and we have clients uh, around the country Uh, as we started to develop we started doing more website development work more web app work in 06 07 and then in 2012 we started uh, more app development and mobile app development was uh, was a target space for us. And so as we've grown over the last few years, we were working to get away from uh, IT support and managed service um, providing, but with COVID, that became a strong need and some of the clients that we still had in that space really wanted to work with us. And so we kind of revved up uh, uh, our team in that space and it's been a, a really busy space, so, you know, For those who want to get a true idea of what TurnGroup Group does, it's we provide IT infrastructure support for companies under 100 employees. And we also develop mobile applications and online digital marketing tools, such as, you know, web applications, so that people can have more automated, more virtual engagement with their clients and their staff.
1: Oh, really neat. So talk to me about the web applications. uh, as Obviously, that's been, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't even a thing. So obviously more and more people are developing apps and things like that. Um, how has that space been for you guys?
0: You know, it's it's, it's been the core, um, probably 65 to 75% of what we do. Uh, you know, I, I've, I don't make excuses, but I'm thinking maybe if I was on the, the West Coast and I had more collaboration opportunities this conversation would go a, a lot differently, but um, <laughs> how we initially got into it was I have a colleague that uh, consults with us. And uh, I started, you know, so I, I own multiple small businesses and my, my bigger and core businesses Turn group, but I started uh, an app to be able to offer um, non-traditional medicine advice. And so he was consulting with us on how to structure this application, and I got I hired a guy in to develop it, and so that was our first app. It was called Natural Medicine Doctor, and um, you know from that point on, we really started to work with companies, be it mobile app or uh, web apps, to be able to really utilize how they want to engage. So it's been a really um, impactful part of our business, but it's also allowed us to be able to to develop relationships with a lot of different companies to provide those services. And, um, you know, a lot of those have, have been pretty big wells for us, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about when you started the company back in 2002, you know, what were some of the challenges to get when you got off to get off the ground? Hmm. So
0: um, from a non-business perspective and an individual who was 27 years old, I, um, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I came from a family of Hardworking individuals, you know, they believed in education, they believed in getting jobs. So, from a non business perspective, um, the entrepreneurship cultivation and grooming came from very few people, you know, very few people that I had access to. And so, going down that path, it was, you know, more than anything, it was the business preparation, which I understood, the technology preparation, which I understood. But it was the the walk of faith, the the taking a leap in an area that you were completely unfamiliar with. And as a 27 year old guy, you know, I was, you know, making six figures. I had real estate and I was living in the St. Louis region. And, um, you know, I was reminded by my mother, you know, as I tell this story pretty often when I'm talking to groups of kids and, and groups of students. You know, I was reminded by my mother that, you know, at 27, you know, I was making what she was. You know, didn't start making until she was well into her 40s, you know. And so that was a concern for her because she, you know, she, my father, they believe in education and then you work for other people. So uh, fortunately, I had, you know, I, I still had their support and I had friends who were entrepreneurs who were encouraging, engaging me and helping me really identify how I would need to prepare to step off and build this business. And that was really, you know, outside of the the business of you know the challenges of being able to acquire clients and see opportunities and, and, and improve our services, that was the biggest challenge for me was to walk on faith against uh, some people that I endeared that I I, I, um, I usually relied on their support and start a company and know that you know hey this is an opportunity where you may have to get rid of everything before you start to understand how to grow your business and. You know, it was capital- I capitalized the business. I understood that, you know, that it was going to be a challenge getting capital for a startup company and in the Midwest that focused on technology. You know, banks don't do that. Uh, it's, you know, it's too small for any, any you know, uh, angel investor to, to consider. I mean, outside of, you know, family and friends, right? You know, that, that wouldn't be it. So, you know, long story short, that was my biggest challenge was just me and understanding that everything that I needed in order to build and make the business, what I would consider successful was already within me. And so that was my biggest challenge was just to step out on faith and and start the company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a little bit ago, um, kind of how during the COVID pandemic, you guys had to kind of revert back to some of the things you were trying to get out of in the managed service type space. How else did COVID impact not only your clients, but your organization and how did you manage through that?
0: So fortunately, um, mm, 2017 um, everybody in our office started working from home and again we, we're a small team I think at that time there were maybe eight people and everybody started working from home and so when COVID hit the transition to working from home was uh, not a real challenge for us our biggest challenge became you know effectively how do we continue to provide Support on site and off site. uh, And that was something that we already had in place. So, the team uh, that was working with us, you know, we already had those things in place. And so, we really didn't skip a beat. What became more challenging was being able to hire uh, a few more people, given the challenges with COVID and being able to introduce new people to uh, facilities and what that whole process was. Uh, That was our biggest challenge. So, Fortunately, um, COVID was a business um, bump for us. And although we didn't want to stay in that space, we knew that we had some customers and clients that we had worked with for 10, 12 years that uh, we still had and were providing support for and they needed even more support. And so, you know, we provided that. So COVID provided the challenges of um, kind of a, a light pivot But since we were already working from home, since we already had remote infrastructure in place, you know, it it was a it was a mild pivot and we were able to handle it pretty effectively, I think.
1: Yeah, good. That's really good. You know, it 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 kind of ironic that you guys went to working remotely back in 2017 and we're kind of ready to go for that. I know a lot of companies scrambled when this all happened, but um, that that's a good sign of some. Good ju-, 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 ju I guess you could say. Hey, leadership <laughs> or, or what. I don't know what, but uh, you clearly had something on your right path. I'm thankful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Talk to me about your views on leadership.
0: So, um, you know, as I, as I study more about leadership and uh, I've studied leadership over the years, you know, I... I, I question my leadership <laughs> strategy sometimes, but, you know, I don't know I, you have
1: pretty good leadership strategy. If you went to virtual in 2017,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you
1: know,
0: I, I would just say there, I, and what I'm basing it on is, you know, you know, like I know you see a lot of companies go public every, every year you see a lot of people make exits from businesses. They, they sell to other companies. And I guess your leadership style is based on what you're trying to accomplish, you know, for years, I knew my, my technology company would be kind of like the 30-year-old kid who lives in the parents' basement. You know, it is, it's a good company. We have great clients. We have great people that work with us. But I never thought that I would prepare it to be sold. So I decided not to continue to scale probably 10 or 12 years ago and work it as a lifestyle business for the people who work with us you know, we provide the clients and the clients get good service. And that's that's kind of how I looked at it. So, you know, my leadership style first in founding the company has changed, whereas scaling was the idea and really just trying to get, you know, um, uh, nameless, faceless people to work and grow the business. My leadership style has changed from a, a human resource perspective. It, you know, the people that I work with They're unique. They're valuable. You know, there's a reason why they're working with us versus uh, working with some larger companies that they're well qualified to work with. We, you know, we offer flexibility, um, the things that I will do that they'll do. So in that sense, my leadership style is, you know, I will, I will lead by example versus just assigning uh, people things to do. And, you know, I try not to micromanage, but if I need to, you know, I will. So, you know, my leadership style is is a really simple one in the sense that I will not have staff do things that I'm not willing to do. Now, are some of them more qualified than me? Absolutely. When it comes to their area of expertise. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I can, I can quote some stuff from John Maxwell's, you know, leadership strategies. And, you know, we could talk about all these different things, but when it's all said and done, you know, I, I think you treat people like you want to be treated. Um, you you understand the role that they play in your organization. You value the role that they play in your organization. You know, although, you know, everyone is replaceable, you know, everybody is not um, replaceable, you know. Uh, and so the talent that we work with, the people that we work with, you know, I'm very appreciative to them. So, you know, it's a... I don't want to say a servant leadership model, but it's definitely, uh, hey, I will do and I'm willing to do whatever I assign somebody else to do. And I think we all treat each other fairly. And, um, you know, and you know, I don't care what other people think about the leadership model because, you know, it's, it's what's working for us, given the the business that we're in.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. What about company culture? You mentioned kind of all you guys are working remotely. How do you maintain a positive company culture with with kind of all the remote workers you have?
0: I hate the answer that I'm going to give, but I think it's it's the truth is, you know, we leave people alone. You know, we, <laughs> I mean, I hate I mean, I hate to say it like that. It's like you know, if if people want to be engaged, you know, I. Technology you know, is such a broad space, you know, and, yeah. and we're filling at least four categories in this broad space and you get a lot of different personalities in this space. And, you know, things that I I'm inclined to do, things that I, I want to do, sometimes I have to continue to um, review them in my mind and consult with other people in leadership to see if what I'm thinking and saying and prepared to do is helpful to the company, helpful to our clients and helpful to the staff. And sometimes it's not. And so I really, truly think that sometimes letting the talent be free and flexible is a a good role. You know, know, they know the job they have to perform. They know the value that they add. You know, they know, you know, what they are compensated with. And, you know, I've lost two people in the last probably year or so to some Fortune 500 companies, and and I get it, you know I got talented people working with me, and you know it's only so much that we can do that, to outbid, you know some of these um some of these larger companies that are out here looking for talent. So we have to be very flexible about that. But I you know I kind of I let people do them, you know yeah. be you do what you need to do, and occasion occasionally I feel like something should be done differently then I have to look at the big picture and I'm saying, you know, is the is the work being done effectively? And the answer is yes. You know, the client happy? The answer is yes. So what problem am I having with how it's being done? And sometimes it's subtle communication, you know, um, you know, in IT, you get some people that kind of uh, reflect, you know, maybe certain areas of spectrum of Asperger sometimes, and you have to look at, you know, kind of emotional intelligence as well as, you know how people work with clients, so I, I do my best to try to um, not be a problem, but also help people understand what's expected of them as well as what's required uh, for the client management that we do.
1: Well, absolutely, and you know to your point about the you know losing a couple of employees of Fortune 500 organizations, you know there's and I just talked to somebody about this not too long ago. There's different types of employees, and some employees will thrive in a small business like yours. And some employees would rather work for a Fortune 500 large conglomerate corporation, um, and that doesn't make them right or you right or them wrong or you wrong or anything along those lines. It's just some people are, are better cut out in a small business environment where, you, to your point, they're left alone and they do their job and they, you know, and, and they work in that way. And then other people they they want to work for a big corporation so they can move up and travel the country and things along those lines. And it's just to knowing what your company needs are and hiring those people that, you know, kind of want to work in that space. But again, like I said, it doesn't make anything right or wrong, but um, I think that was a good point that you made there. Yeah,
0: I appreciate
1: it. Talk to me about, you know, looking back on your career, you mentioned John Maxwell a minute ago. Have there been books or podcasts that you have listened to or read over, you know, your career that have really impacted your views on like leadership and your company and your vision for the future?
0: So, you know, I, I don't ever want to minimize um, the value that Turn Group Technologies has, has had in my life. Uh, again, I founded this company when I was 27. You know, we're based in the St. Louis region. And we've been able to have companies across the, uh, across the country. We've been able to have contractors um, across the world. And um, I value in uh, terms of technology. We've gotten uh, business of the year from the St. Louis Mayor's Award. We've been spotlighted. We've gotten a lot of accolades. And I look at it though as it's, it's a company amongst other companies that I've launched. You know, as an entrepreneur, I see the opportunity and I, um, and I try to take advantage of it if I can. And so with that said, some of the books that have impacted me and some of the podcasts that have impacted me have been beyond just, you know, leadership for a particular area, but I will say that, um, you know, John Maxwell had a book that, again, not cover to cover, but probably at least, at least, at least a little bit uh, has impacted me, and, you know, it's, it's, I can't think of the name of it, but I, I know it's, Winning attitude, developing leadership around you and becoming a person of influence. And I'm trying to think of the name of it, but those were the three main um, uh, impactful things that you wanted to accomplish in that book. So, you know, a friend of mine gave me that book. Her and her husband were visiting St. Louis and he thought it'd be a great book for me to have. But there's also a podcast that I used to listen to. I probably haven't listened to it in over a year. And it was called, I believe it was How, How It Was Built. And, um, you know, talked about historically how some of these companies uh, have have been developed by different entrepreneurs and, um, you know, and that was impactful. But also as as an African-American male, there's been some books as I developed to help me understand and gain perspective of some of the challenges that you just have uh, innately from wanting to develop a business and being successful and this book has nothing to do about business but everything to do about the strength in yourself and perspective and how you have to, to make certain decisions and it's called the invisible man by ralph ellison and um, you know that book you know speaks to how people are overlooked in certain circumstances and i'm i'm referencing that because you have to understand how certain places and certain things in society will see you, but how you know it's up to you to have to uh, make sure that you make an impact, regardless if you're seen or not um, and for me, I've always understood that you know when I started the business, I was considered kind of young, and so I would go into meetings and you know I would notice that really people would not pay attention until me until I demonstrated or said something that you know, was valuable, that was analytical, that made sense. And I might have been the smartest person in the room. You know, I'm just saying, I'm just making an example. I may have been the smartest person in the room, but until I could help other people understand the value that I could bring or that my company could bring, you know, I basically was talking to the wall. I was, you know, and so um, the books that I mentioned, the podcast that I mentioned, those things amongst, you know, tons of other uh, books and articles and things have helped me um, become more powerful in how I feel about me and how confident I am about engaging and discussing with other people. You know, it's uh, a lot of different things when you start looking at emotional intelligence and how uh, you engage people and how they engage you that you have to be very sensitive to because you it's a game of reading minds but it's also a game of allowing and understanding what people are putting before you and understanding the value that that has. So, um, you know, I wish I, could, I wish I could be like other people. So, oh, I, I, read, I read this book, I read this book, I pulled this, but it's, it's such um, a compilation, a comprehensive um, summary success, uh, you know, books that I've read to, to contribute to success that it's, you know, it's, I'd, I'd be giving you a list of stuff that, <laughs> that I've read, sure. you know, and sure. we'll all be bored with the
1: list. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally understand. Well, I'll tell you what, Keith, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. You know, you've had a great career starting a business at 27 years old, has maintained it and, and grown it over the years. So if you could leave us with a piece of advice, whether that's on business or whether that is um, on personal life or something along those lines, what could you leave us with today?
0: Um, I think right now, what I would want to leave anyone with, uh, young, old, otherwise, is is to believe in yourself. You know, um, prepare yourself, understand what you're trying to do, and then take a walk of faith and believe in yourself. A lot of people, you know, it it sounds so wizard of the eyes, the whiz, believe in yourself, but the reality of it is you'd be amazed at how many people don't feel like they have the talent to start a company or the talent to be successful in whatever space they want to be in. And I would just, you know, encourage people to prepare yourself, do your research, train and learn as much as you can, and then believe in yourself. Take a walk in faith and make something happen. You know, you have one life to live. You know, you, you don't want to uh, be 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and have a ton of regrets. You know, you, you don't want that. So you know, prepare what you can prepare, step out on faith and, you know, and make some things happen. Even if there's space, you've been, maybe you've been successful in entrepreneurship, you've been successful in your career and there's a new space you want to go in, you know, believe in yourself and take that, take that leap of faith and um, and give it a try. Yeah, no, That I... would be what I would leave people with, you know, believe in yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great piece of advice. I think, you know, I had to believe in myself to start this podcast and, um, You have to believe in yourself and a lot of different varieties of life. And so I think that's a great piece of advice you've left us with today. On behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast and myself, Keith, I appreciate you being a great STL leader for allowing people to look up to people like yourself here in our community. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today.
0: Brian, I thank you for having me on your show. And, um, you know, I I wish you the best and I wish your audience the best and uh, enjoy the rest of this, uh, this holiday season that's coming up.
1: Thank you.